awesome and how the things that God wants to do are just awesome. And if we do the things that God wants to do, when God says to do it, when God speaks to us and we obey, it is an awesome thing. But how many know, just as the example we were talking about, when uh, the, the man asked the woman to marry him and there's a long pause. It can go from being an awesome moment to being an awkward moment very quickly. It doesn't take too many seconds, it only takes a few, but it can certainly be a bit of a problem. Maybe when the woman comes to the man and says, I'm pregnant, there can be awesome or awkward. It just uh, depends on how we, we go. But if, as awkward continues, we can go from awesome to awkward to awful <laughs> pretty quick. And we want to make sure we stay out of the areas of awful. But I was uh, looking for something else and came upon this video, and this video depicts awesome. Awesome doesn't just happen. Awesome happens because there's preparation. Awesome happens because things happen when they are supposed to happen. And this uh, just really showed a whole lot of it. Beside that, it's funny. <laughs> so go ahead and play our, our special video for us, and you can enjoy this to you for the purpose of helping you in a problem, helping you in a situation, helping you overcome something that right now is an obstacle. We looked at some of the people in the Bible who had obstacles and that revelation was spoken to them. The ones that we saw in the Bible listened. There are many who did not and didn't make it in. They're not in the Bible. The thing is, we have had revelation spoken to us from God, but we have delayed in answering. We have delayed in responding. And that awesome moment in our life was turned to awkward and even became awful because we didn't overcome the thing that we have. There are people in the Bible who, when they receive revelation, Instantly did it. Brother Hagin used to always teach us. Learn to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Powerful words. Good words to learn. Learn to instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Don't delay. Because the delay turns what would have been awesome into awkward. We looked at the nobleman who got word from Jesus. Go. Your son lives. He could have argued. He didn't. He went. Went on home and found out that his son lived, made inquiry. When did this happen? Found out that it was the same time that Jesus had said, go, your son lives. He needed to listen. If he didn't listen, what happens to his boy? Lepers are told, go show yourselves. What did they do? Turned around and they went and showed themselves to the priest. The man with the withered hand, he says, stretch out your hand. Does he argue? I can't. He stretches out his hand and what happens? We have an awesome moment. The thing is, folks, we have lost a number of awesome moments because we're simply like Naaman in that we are expecting that the man of God would come out and do this or do that instead of telling us to do something ourselves. And we have missed that awesome moment. God has spoken things to you. God wants to speak things to you about situations that you face. There might be relationships. There might be work. There might be physical Health, there are situations that we face 
and that God wants to speak revelation to us. When we listen, it is an awesome moment. It's like being up on that stage watching Simon Cowell's face when he sees the extra sounds coming. Oh, that's awesome. God has awesome moments in store for us. But will we listen? Will we train ourselves up to listen? We've seen throughout the, this time in the wisdom series that there are people who grew in wisdom when they were associated with certain people. And that the enemy comes to separate those associations. Ahithophel was one, had an association with David. We've never heard of Ahithophel before that. But he gets associated with David and he becomes the greatest counselor in the land. He separates that, separate, that relationship from David. He allows bitterness to come in. Even though it wasn't his fault, it was David's fault. He allowed bitterness to come in. He allowed a separation to come in to that relationship. What happened to Ahithophel when he made that separation from David? He was able to speak wisdom that was devilish. It did not contain the things it's supposed to contain. It was a problem for him. And very soon after that, he died. There was a king in Israel. As long as he was associated with Jehoiada the prophet, the priest, as long as he was associated with him, he soared. When he died, he lost that association. He didn't have anyone else to replace it with. And he fell. He didn't stay the same, same kind of guy that he was before. Rehoboam had an opportunity to listen to the counsel, those people who counseled his father Solomon. And they gave him wise counsel that would have caused his kingdom to endure. He decided to listen to his pals, the ones that he grew up with. And he lost all but one tribe. Associations are powerful. God has brought you into associations. God brought me into associations. I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time. But God brought me into associations with people who became great influences in my life, great influences in how I look at the Word. Helped me out tremendously. Didn't mean that those relationships were perfect. Didn't mean the things didn't want to try and come in and separate me from them. I don't talk to you about those aspects because they aren't important. We didn't let the things separate. We continued to go on. Don't let... Understand, God has brought people into your life to help you. Don't cut them off. Understand wisdom is coming into your life. God is ready to speak things to you, to help you in your situations. But you need to listen. And you can't do this thing, well, I'll wait a couple of days. What if the man at the pool of Bethesda said, Jesus, give me a couple of days to think about that. Instead of just taking up his bed, rising up and walking. What would have happened? Well, we wouldn't have the story in, in the Bible. We haven't even looked at all the ones where people receive revelation. People receive wisdom. Because understand, revelation and wisdom are the same thing. Revelation and wisdom are the same thing. Revelation from God is wisdom. Remember our little boxes up here? Wisdom contains understanding. Understanding contains discernment. Discernment is the ability to understand what is valuable. The problem with the people in the world, and you listen to them talk, they don't understand what's valuable. They speak about certain things as if they have value when you know they have none. They don't have that discernment. They can't discern what is valuable and what is not. Understanding is knowing how things work from God's point of view. And wisdom from God contains these. All other wisdom is void of these things. It's empty. If you have that box without those things in it, you have empty wisdom. But God's wisdom is full. 
it is full. We talked about staying in shape, the revelation. When revelation is given, we first off, we have to seek revelation. We have to hear it. Don't just hear the words. You need to hear it to where it sinks in. I need to accept it. This is God. I need to perform it. I need to do it. And I need to endure. But once we start doing the thing that we have received revelation on, how many of y'all know stuff comes against you? You may have gotten revelation on something about you, what you want to do. Maybe you uh, wanted to have a diet, a diet for health reasons, a diet for uh, weight reasons, maybe to gain weight, maybe to lose weight, whatever it is. You know, we have all kinds of diets that you can be on. Some diets are just to get away from certain foods or whatever it might be. But if you've got a revelation on diet and wanted to pursue that, how many know that there are things that come against you? And there are people who come against you. I've told you this story before, but when I was in, in college and we were, we were running, I don't know what, where I got it from, but somehow I came upon the understanding and the knowledge that sweets were bad. They, were, they would hinder your performance. So what I did was I cut out all, all sweets, everything, cookies, cakes. The only thing I would allow myself to have is once a week, I would splurge and have ice cream. That was it. And so the other people around the table, they knew this, that I had made this commitment. And you know what they did? They honored it. And they said, just keep the sweets away from Steve. He doesn't want to be. No. They brought them up. They flaunted them in my face. They would bring them over to the cafeteria table. Don't you want some of these cookies? Look at this cake. Oh, this cake is good. What were they trying to do? They're trying to tempt me. They're trying to pull me down. It didn't matter. I had my eyes on something else. I don't know if it helped or not. I'm just saying my, I, I had, I had a, this revelation that came to me. I focused on that. I cut everything out. I had my diet so regimented. I was eating a lot, 4,500 calories per day. But orange juice in the morning, water in the afternoon, milk in the evening. I, I did not veer off of that. In the morning, I had orange juice because it would digest fast enough and I could never go out and run. Water, only water for lunch. And then in the evening, milk was good for you. But uh, it's better to have that at nighttime and have a longer time to digest it. So that's what I did. And every morning, come down, orange juice. I mean, I may have five or six glasses of orange juice, but that's all I do is the orange juice. And that is it, no soda. Cut all that stuff out. Why? Because I had an understanding of something that might help. And I hung on to it. But people will try and bring you down from what you are trying to do. Now get this part of it. Get this part of Revelation down. Revelation from God does not need to make sense. Most times, it doesn't. Revelation from God does not always need to make sense. It does not need to make sense to other people. That will, be, that will fall into the category of reasoning. Reasoning is the enemy. It's the kryptonite of revelation. If you reason it out, you will delay. If you reason out the revelation, you will delay in doing it, and you will go from an awesome moment to an awkward moment to an awful moment very quickly. You need to get that stuff out. Seek, hear, accept, perform, and endure. Make sure you endure. If you get revelation from God to do something, it doesn't matter if it worked for anyone else or didn't work for anyone else. What it matters is, is this is what I got. And you need to do it. Brother Hagin used to tell us sometimes, God would just tell him, stop drinking iced tea. He liked iced tea. Stop drinking iced tea. He didn't say why. He didn't ask. All right? He knew the voice of his spirit. He did it. A week or two later, come back up on him, go ahead and drink it again. 
I don't know why he said I didn't need to, to drink it. I don't know what it was. <laughs> he didn't try and figure it out. Didn't try and reason it out. He knew the voice of his spirit. He heard it. He stopped it. See, too often we're, we're sharing revelation that we get from God with other people and expecting them to confirm it. Don't need that. Revelation comes from God. Sometimes revelation just comes to see what you'll do. Remember that story we looked at? Go out there and dig ditches. You need water? Go out there and dig ditches. What good does that do? <laughs> well, they found out. It helped out a lot of their problems. It, it, revelation does not always make sense. For Naaman, go out and, wa and wash in such a dirty river? Why would I do that? And the servant just said, look, if he said to do something hard, you would do it. He said something simple. Wash and be clean. So he went out there and he did that. We're going to look at the Christmas story here today because it is a Sunday before Christmas with the idea of revelation. And where does revelation come from? Entitled this, Do You Hear What I Hear? Sometimes what you are hearing from the voice of God is not always what someone else is hearing. But you've got to be convinced that what you've got in your spirit is God. And you need to be able to endure that what God said for you to do you need to do. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now understand, the folks at this time know Messiah is coming. And they also know that someone is going to carry the Messiah. They know this. So this may trouble her because she's saying, are you, are you saying what I'm thinking you're saying? Verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Now, this could be turned into an awkward moment, right? No, see, this is, God knows he's, he's pushing her to the limits here. And she may have some questions. He's okay with us having some questions on, on this. This is brand new stuff. This wasn't just get up and get into the pool. This wasn't just get up and uh, carry your bed. This was, wasn't just go show yourself to the high priest. This was, you're going to have a baby. And Mary says, well, I know how that works. And uh, th that hasn't happened yet. How can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. For indeed, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And there is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. I'll tell you what, we need to get that down. With God, nothing will be impossible. If God gives you a revelation on something, if God tells you to do something, is it impossible? No, because with God, nothing shall be impossible. If nothing is impossible, then all things are possible. And Jesus has said that as well. All things are possible to him who believes. We need to hear the revelation that he's speaking the wisdom and believe it. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. She didn't question long, did she? 
some of you uh, folks were in her situation, would you have questioned a little bit more? What are my parents going to say? What are my friends going to say? What are the other people going to say? I don't know how this is going to work. You might have questioned a little bit more. But she said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There was no real reason to stay. We made the news. She's okay. She says, All right, go ahead and let it be. And understand, your words are powerful. I think her words needed to be this. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh, now we got something to work with. Now we have something and she could conceive. Now Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. I don't know that she's even told her yet. But Elizabeth knows it. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She knows apparently not only that she's pregnant, she knows who she's pregnant with. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of this, of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. And he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to the seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Now, this wisdom revelation that came to Mary does not necessarily solve Mary's problem, does it? Kind of causes some problems. Now, it does solve Mary's problem in that it's all mankind. We have a sin problem. And the thing, the wisdom here, the revelation that comes is to solve the sin problem. But it doesn't necessarily solve a particular problem for her. Creates one. Well, she's got a a man that she's betrothed to, and that we hear about in Matthew chapter 1. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which was translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus." Now, Joseph does have a problem. His wife is, his uh, wife to be is pregnant. Most people are going to think, we know what you guys are doing. This is a problem for Joseph. He's thinking about just putting her away quietly and not uh, making a spectacle of this. But he has this dream. The angel doesn't necessarily appear for him as his dream. And no, you go ahead. 
You take her as wife. This is, this is of me. He's got to listen to this. He has a problem. God has given him wisdom. You need to go out there and you need to take her as wife. Don't leave her out there doing this on your own. This is what needs to, to happen. And so he does. He listens to it. Now, wisdom revelation, we need to listen to it, but wisdom revelation can come from angels. Angels may come. How many would like an angel to come right now and appear and tell you what you got to do? That'd be cool. Let's be all right. Angel, come on down, appear before me and saying, Steve, do this. That's, that's pretty easy. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes it's just a, a messenger, someone in the body of Christ who comes to you and says something and speaks some wisdom to you. And other times it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and he speaks things to you down in your spirit. That's how a lot of things come. He's going to speak things to you down in your spirit. You need to listen. You need to be listening. And when he speaks, you need to do what he says. Do you worry you want to fix that problem? Do what he says. But what happens a lot of times is as soon as we get that that comes up, whether it comes from an angel, whether it comes from someone else, or it comes from the Spirit of God speaking to us, we argue with it. Now, Joseph could have argued with the angel here, right? No, no, no. If I take her as wife, then he could have said all the problems. Mary could have argued with the angel. What do you mean? I don't have a husband. This is not going to work out good. He could have argued. We can always argue that the wisdom we receive from God won't work. It's called reasoning. But we need to accept the revelation and go on and do what it says to do. You need to accept it. Now, you also need to be aware of false wisdom, false revelation, because whatever is genuine, there's going to be fake. You don't make a fake of a fake. In order to have a fake, there has to be a, a genuine. In order to have a fake $100 bill, there has to be a... There's no one out there making fake $55 bills because there are none. If you're going to make a fake, there has to be a genuine. So understand, whatever it is that is genuine of God, there will be a fake of it as well. There are people in some of these uh, secular, you know, non, non-Christian movements out there who have seen angels. Did they really see one? If there is a real, there is a fake. They have heard things in their spirit. If there is a real, there is a fake. You've got to be aware of that. Understand they're going to come. Here's some signs to look for to tell whether it's real or not. First off, does the wisdom or revelation that you get, does it compromise God's word? Do you have to compromise the word of God in order to do it? If you've got to compromise the word of God in some way to do it, guess what? It's not God. Second thing, it brings fear. I've heard people who have had dreams in the night supposedly seen angels and they told them things like you're going to die it brings fear in them and, and, and they think it's from God and become fearful God doesn't bring fear the enemy does God does not it yields dissension anger separation false things will yield dissension anger and separation true revelation brings things together False brings dissension, anger, and separation. There's a fourth one. It robs you of your joy. False revelation will steal your joy. You hang on to false revelation. Your joy will be diminished. Your joy will go. Don't let that happen. Stay with the truth.
So you got to be listening because revelation is going to be spoken to you. Maybe it might be an angel. Maybe it might be a messenger in the church. Maybe it might be the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But it will be spoken to you. You need to listen to it. You need to do what is what is said. Here in Luke chapter 2, we got the shepherds. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And census first took place while Canaris was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So we got government making a regulation. You got to go along with the regulation. Baby's not listening. Baby's doing his own thing. Now the baby was listening just fine. The baby knew Bethlehem is where we're going to be born. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Can y'all hear Linus's voice when I'm, when I'm reading this? <laughs> I love his voice when I, I could just listen to that all the time. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, an angel, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away, from them in the heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, and it was told them. Here's another way. Sometimes we need to look around. There are signs that will show us some things that we're supposed to be doing. Signs do come. Now, put in your outline, signs may come, but they are not promised. You are not promised a sign. Signs may come, but they're not promised. Matthew 12, verse 39 says, But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. We are not to seek after signs, but sometimes signs are given. Have you ever heard of another believer who said, I was wondering what I should do. And then this happened. And I took that as a sign that that's what I was supposed to do. How many times that you've heard that? Have you also heard them tell what they did? And you know in your spirit, oh, that was wrong. The Bible tells you clearly not to do that. You knew better than for them to do that thing, but they saw a sign. Well, this was a good sign. The angel came, made the announcement. Now, if you were here last year, we talked about these angels. Just want to review it because some people weren't here or weren't around then. But um, it says that this will be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in what? And a lot of times we read over that just, well, the, all right, they find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, it's a sign to them. These were particular shepherds. 
These were not just any old shepherds watching any old sheep. They were particular shepherds. They were near the town of Bethlehem. Now, I don't know if how many of you have been around sheep. I have not been around sheep a whole lot, but I'm told from people who are that they are particularly smelly. And so they used to have the sheep in the city of Jerusalem for the sacrifices because you need to have perfect sheep, especially for the um, uh, Passover lamb. And so they would raise, they would have these certain ones that were raised as perfect sheep. And so what they ended up doing is they needed to get it out of the city. So they took it out of the city and it was out near the town of Bethlehem is where they had these sheep that were being raised. And they had certain shepherds who were watching over those particular sheep. Now, remember in the passage, as we were, were reading, that these are certain shepherds. They are certain shepherds. There's something particular about them. The thing there was about them is that these are the, the shepherds watching over the sheep that are going to be used in the Passover. Jesus is the Passover lamb. They were watching over the sheep that were, they were going to become the Passover lambs who were the type of Jesus. So one of the things that these shepherds had to do was to approve that the sheep were perfect without blemish. So this is one of the things that they had to do. So the angels showed up for these shepherds, not because these are the only shepherds listening, but because these shepherds had the job of approving the Passover lambs. And so they were brought in at the birth of Jesus to approve the Passover lamb. Put their stamp of approval that this is, we, we do this all the time. And this one is, is, is the right one. Now there's a particular place, um, that is, that is said that the angels would make it, or that the announcement would be made from. It was called the Tower of the Flock. The Tower of the Flock. And where the sheep were tended, there was this tower there. In that tower, you could watch out for enemies for the sheep. The sheep were generally kept outside all the time, 24 hours a day. But when they began to give birth, the ewes were brought into the tower of the flock. It is called Migdal Adar. It is very near Bethlehem. And it had been known, it had actually been uh, written, that the announcement for Messiah will be made from this tower. Now, what's interesting is when did the angels tell the shepherds where to go? Then the shepherds say, go and see this. this. Did, he, did, the shep, did the angels ever tell the shepherds where to go? Come on, you've read over that passage a whole lot of times. Did it ever say, go here? No. Isn't it interesting? Maybe the Bible just left that part out. No, you don't have to tell these shepherds where to go. They know where to go. Where is the baby going to be announced from? The tower. Well, in the tower, this is where they would bring the babies, the, the baby lambs, to protect them when they were first born. It is very possible in the manger that Jesus is being born in is the tower of the flock. It is Mig, Migdal Adar. And he said, this will be a sign to you. We'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes or what they wrap the, the lambs in when they were born to make sure that they didn't get damaged. So they wrapped them in the swaddling clothes. He said, this will be a sign to you. You're going to come into the place where the baby is laid and he will be wrapped in swaddling clothes. 
If you are a shepherd who watches over the Passover lambs coming into the place of the tower of the flock and see in the manger where you have put many a ewe's lamb in there who has been born, you put it in there for protection, wrapped it in swaddling clothes and laid it in the manger to keep it protected and you come in, you find a baby in that place instead. Would that be a sign to you as a shepherd of this particular flock? And then we understand what that means. They were the only group of people this would be assigned to, which is why the angels showed up with them. So that's just a little review from what some of the things we did uh, last year. Got into a lot more detail with it and uh, the last year when we did it. But these shepherds had a purpose. They were to look for a sign. They were to come in and look. They saw the sign. They came in and they approved. They approved. You know what? We see this way. They rejoiced because they saw Jesus. They knew he would be the Messiah, which means he is the Passover lamb. And they approved him. There are signs that sometimes God will show you. And you need to listen to them and to obey them. But do not seek for a sign, nor take signs from things that just happen around you. Signs are very clear. Jesus sent word back to John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, Are you really the Messiah? Or should we look to another? And Jesus said to him, Talk to him about the signs. Didn't say those words, but he said, Tell him the blind are seeing the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing, those demon-possessed are freed. What's he saying? Look at the signs. Look at the signs. There are a lot of signs that go on around us. We have signs that tell us things are going good. We have signs that can tell us that things are going bad. We can look at the signs and we can understand the signs that are going on. There are signs even even now, if, if we're looking, there are some signs about the, even the morality of this country. I heard somebody making a comparison and I thought it was pretty pretty good one. In this country, we are restricting how much sugary drinks you can have. You can only have 16 ounces of a sugary drink. We're going to restrict how much trans fats you can eat. We're going to outlaw certain foods that you can't have. We're going to limit where you can smoke and where you can't smoke, what you can buy and what you can't buy. All these different things. But you know what's interesting? You can have as much sex as you want. And just to make sure that you can, we'll make sure that everybody in the country pays for your birth control. How is it that in the morality of this country, we're going to limit soft drinks, trans fats, but the things we know that can cause harm, we want to make sure that that is unlimited. Abortions cause harm. We want to make sure that that is unlimited. How is that not a sign? How many of all know the Duck Dynasty guy got uh, some things going on there? I don't watch Duck Dynasty. I saw it one time. It was okay. Uh, it just wasn't a show that caught me to, to pull me in. But I love what these guys are standing for. I heard somebody was talking about the, the show this week, and they were saying, you know, these guys don't need the money. Uh, they're not necessarily looking for attention. If you don't live that kind of a lifestyle that they do and want attention, 
they probably do the show simply to spread their faith. And uh, he was saying that, that uh, the guy, Phil, was, is a pretty smart guy. And more than likely, he knew what he was getting into in his interview. Apparently, A&E, though, has been limiting some of the things that they can do in the content. They've been getting a little frustrated with some of the content because if their purpose is to spread the gospel, then you don't want to be told no. What Phil said was absolutely, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I, don't, I don't think at all. We have a, a leader from another country who came over and said more than that. He said, not only <laughs> is it wrong, but we kill them. If we have homosexuals in our country, we kill them. And uh, he gets to speak at uh, Columbia University. He gets heralded when he comes into the United Nations. This, there's, there's some signs, folks, that things are not right. When it is that you are restricted from saying your belief when your belief contradicts the secular mind of the media, there's a problem. Make sure that you let your voice be known. Don't be quiet about it. Go whatever avenues that you can and let these folks know. A&E, we're not standing with you. Let other ones know that they want to put a squash on this. No. We have the right to... What Phil said, he didn't put down anyone. He says, hey, we're not here. Our job is not to judge. But that is a wrong lifestyle. Understand if we stay quiet about it, eventually your rights are going to be infringed upon too. They will be working their way around. The government is becoming very controlling on all these different things, except in abortion, sex, and marriage. You can marry whoever you want. Now they have a case in there that apparently uh, Nevada, I think it is, that polygamy is now going to be legal because of a uh, uh, judge's decision. So that's, you know, once you open the gates, the marriage is not between a man and a woman. All kinds of things go on. You need to make your voice known. Doesn't mean that we're discriminating. In fact, if you look at the whole thing, the only one who got discriminated against was Phil. He's the only one who lost anything. He may not have been too upset about that. Matthew chapter 2. Look at the signs. When you see the signs, know what you should do. Matthew 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ would be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem for, of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they listened. They departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child 
and his mother flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy you. A problem was coming up. Hadn't come up yet. A dream comes and he listens. And he does it and avoids the problem. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of the Lord through the prophet saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. He sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel, weeping with her, for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came in the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. And it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be a Nazarene. So the star began this trip. But why were they looking for a star? Some years ago we did talk about this some, but if you pull up Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17... This is about the only reference we have to a star. This is from the prophet Balaam when he came over to try and curse Israel. And he said this in it. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. Can you get from there to look for a star when the Christ child is born? No, more than likely what happened, since it's this particular group, the wise men, who were the ones who were looking for it, then Daniel is the one who got this revelation, because Daniel got a lot of revelation. More than likely, Daniel got the revelation that a star would appear, and that he taught it to the Magi. And they taught it down from there, because this group is the same group that Daniel was a part of. And Daniel became very high up in this group, and many of his teachings were incorporated in it. And they saw the wisdom that Daniel had, and he became one of the leaders of this group. And certainly we know from the stories that he uh, saved this group. He probably got this in one of his revelations that just wasn't written in the book of Daniel about it. And he taught it to them because there is no one in the land of Israel who is looking for the star. The only ones that are looking for it are these guys. Apparently, that's all that God wanted to be looking for this star. They looked for it and they came and they brought these gifts they brought these gifts. They brought a lot, of, uh, a large monetary amount of gifts. They may have used some of it in raising them up in some of the trips they had to do to Egypt and such. But I'll bet you a lot of this, these gifts, a lot of this money was used to finance the work of Jesus. The things that he would do. Because we never hear that they were hard up for money. Never hear one time that they were hard up for money. In fact, they had so much money, they had a treasurer. They had a role to play. And they listened. But here's one of the hardest ways to get and maintain revelation. And that is through learning. They learned. It was taught to them. There was no angel who appeared. There was no great thing that happened in their spirit. It was something that they were taught. Over and over, they were taught. And they were looking. 
And they continued to look until one day, whatever formation they were looking for appeared. And they followed it. They followed it because they knew where to come. They knew to come to Judea. And they came to Judea. And then they asked the king there, because surely this king would know where the king of the Jews is. And he had no idea. They thought everyone had learned what they had learned. But not so. Not everyone had. In Daniel chapter 9, I'm going to read this scripture for you. In the first year of Darius, the son of Azarias, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of the reign of Daniel, uh, the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in, in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. He came to this revelation not because an angel showed up, not because the Spirit of God spoke something to him, but because he was studying the Scriptures. He was studying the book of Jeremiah. And as he studied the book of Jeremiah, he saw through the prophecies. And if you go back and you look at what he studied, it's very obvious. He says it right out. It's not cryptic at all. It's very clear. But he saw it. Oh, this is relating to us, and we have 70 years. And he began to do the math and realized, you know what? We're about done. And so he began to ask God, what's next? And immediately God said an answer. And this is the one that was held up for three weeks because of the battle in the realm of the Spirit. Because the answer that would come would be very powerful. And it is one of the most powerful revelations that Daniel had. But God said, not only am I going to tell you this, but I'm also going to pour out for you the entire rest of the history of the Israelite nation until the second advent, until Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom. And he poured the whole thing out. This is what's going to happen. He said, 490 years are determined for your people. And he broke it all up from there. We're not going to get into into all that aspect of it. But this came because he studied. There are some revelations that are going to be spoken to you and you need to listen. Through an angel, through a messenger in the body of Christ, through your spirit. There are revelations that are going to come. They're going to be spoken to you and you need to listen. There are some things that are going to come to you, signs that are around. And you need to see those signs. You need to observe them and know what to do when those signs show up. But there are other things that are learned because you are spending time studying the Word of God, because you are spending time studying what God is saying. And revelation will come to you from the things that you're learning. Daniel was able to ask a question that up till then he wasn't able to ask. As you learn in the Word of God, you will be able to ask God some questions that right now you can't even form. If you ask the right question, you can get a spectacular answer. God was ready to share the information that comes in Daniel chapter 9, but no one asked him. Finally, a man says, what does this mean? What happens next? And God immediately sends. In fact, the messenger was very clear when he brought the message. Daniel, from the moment you prayed, I was sent. That's how eager God is. We have to understand God is eager to give you revelation about your problem. Revelation. Wisdom about your situation to help you out. 
He is eager to do it. You need to be just as eager to listen. And when he speaks, make sure it is an awesome moment. You do it right away. Not an awkward one where you delay. And not an awful one where you put it off or reason your way out. It's up to you. Awesome is within your ability. When God speaks to you and gives you revelation, you can have an awesome moment. Awesome. Or you can make it awkward. But the revelation comes from God. It's up to us. It's what we're going to do with it. So here's the thing. Know how revelation and wisdom can come. You got to know how it comes. I got to know how revelation and wisdom comes. If someone were to come up to you and say, how is God going to speak revelation knowledge to you? And you, all you could answer is, I don't know. How are you going to get it? How are you going to get that revelation? There's no way to get it. If I were to ask you, how are you getting to work in the morning? How many of you can answer that question? I have a car. I ride the bus. I go on the train. Whatever it is, you have an answer. Someone is taking me. I walk there. I have a bike. You can answer that question. If I were to ask you, how are you getting to work in the morning? You would be able to say, this is how. If you're not going to work tomorrow, but you have other places to go, and I say, how are you getting to those places? You would say, this is how. You would have a plan to get that done. But if we would say, how is God going to speak revelation to you? Many Christians would say, I don't know. If you don't know how God is going to speak revelation to you, how are you going to get it? You've got to know how he speaks revelation to you. And the how he speaks it is for those that are listening. Voice of his Holy Spirit, messenger in the church, maybe even an angel. Those who are looking for the signs that are going on around them. Those who are willing to learn. Study in the word of God. Revelation will come. You may be reading the Bible, studying the thing, and you have a problem that you're facing, and all of a sudden, oh, I see it. That's it. That's what i got to do. It's right there in the Word. Why did you get that? Because you were studying. If you need revelation, you should know how it's going to come. That's the first thing. After that, recognize it. Recognize it as being God. This is the same thing we talked about before in the area of staying in shape. But know how it's going to come recognize it. That's God. If it's gone, you need to do it. You need to, to recognize the voice of God. And the third is prove it. We told you already, if there's a genuine, there is a fake. Prove it. In 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many, everybody say many, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Did God send them? No, he does not send them. But many have gone out into the world. Test the spirits whether they are of God. If a believer could not be deceived by a false prophet, there is no need to test the spirits. The problem is that you as a believer can be deceived. How many of y'all know other believers, no one here, but other believers, and they've been deceived? They're following after something. They're doing something. And they believe that God told them. And you know, that's not God. Look at the things. Look at the signs. Look what the Word of God has to say. You know it. 
They didn't test it. They didn't check it out. But you will. Revelation will come. Revelation is the most powerful thing that can come to you. There is nothing more powerful that can come to you than revelation. Wisdom. Nothing. Nothing. You've got to understand it. This is the most powerful thing. There ought to be a verse in the Bible that tells you that above all things, you ought to get wisdom. Right? Oh, there is one, isn't there? What's it say? Proverbs chapter 4. Above all things, do what? Get wisdom. Get understanding. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. It is the most important thing. We were going over the five minutes to effective prayers. What was the number one thing we told you you should be praying for? Wisdom. Not stuff. Wisdom. Number one thing you should be praying for. All of our prayers, most all of our prayers should be in the area of getting wisdom. Because wisdom is the most powerful force that there is. If you get wisdom, you can get healed. You get wisdom, you can get saved. You get wisdom, you can overcome. You get wisdom, you can soar. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get it. Go after it with everything that you have. It will help you. We still have a few more people we want to take a look at. Where when wisdom came, revelation came, their life turned around instantly. They had an awesome moment. An awesome moment. They turned their lives around. But the reason that they did was because especially when we're going to be looking at, oh, I'll tell you what, the, 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 it was powerful. We'll get into it next week. Oh, man, it was something else. A difficult situation was turned around because of wisdom. Very difficult situation was turned around because of wisdom. This was not a person who was not godly. This was not a person who did not fear God, seek after God. But still they had this situation that held them back. When revelation comes, do it. Obey it. Oh, it will be powerfully awesome. And just like the man who took up his bed and walked, just like that man, you can take something that has made you lame for all this time and you can get up and walk. Reasoning is the enemy of revelation. When revelation comes to you, don't reason out why it is you can't do it. Simply obey. I'll turn your situation around. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. Wisdom is such a powerful force. You desire to give wisdom to us. Just as Daniel was in a position to receive, but just didn't have the question yet. And as soon as he studied the word and found the question and he asked it, you sent a powerful answer by the hand of an angel who delivered that message. Father, you will send messages to us through our spirit, through other people in the church, and even through an angel. And Father, we are so looking forward to hearing. Mankind was in a dilemma, huge problem. And you spoke revelation, wisdom to Mary. When she took hold of that, 
Man's problem is at the beginning of being solved. Father, we thank you for that. Thank you for the help that you give us. We want to hear revelation. We want to seek after that revelation. We want to put it to work in our life. When we get revelation from you, it is the most powerful force that we can tap into. Thank you for the help that you give us in it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.